0: The flame retardants, mainly in synthetics, because they're just highly flammable. Like they would just basically like explode. I did a video that went pretty popular on Twitter where I just like lit polyester on fire, like polyfill, what's what's in mattresses. With without the flame retardants, it would it would virtually explode. You know, it's like a it's like a petroleum gas, you know.
1: This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan and I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Decentralized Radio. Today, we have Chase from the Woolshire Pillow Company. Chase, how's it going? Hey,
0: Tristan. Hey, thanks for having me on. I uh, really appreciate being
1: here. Yeah, for sure. We're going to have to dive deep into the evil world of synthetic pillows and fabrics and clothing, which is definitely a personal favorite topic of mine. Um, environmental toxins are everywhere, very prevalent. And uh, it's really sad how far we've come from using you know natural fibers like, like wool and organic cotton. But First, Chase, uh, yeah, I'm just curious, you know, it's a pretty niche thing to get into making, you know, all natural fiber, you know, U.S. sourced organic cotton wool pillows. How did you kind of, you know, what's your backstory? How did you kind of dive down this rabbit hole of natural living and especially, you know, natural fabrics and, and fibers in our, our clothing and, and bedding?
0: Yeah. I was, um, I was raised with, uh, organic food. My mom was, um, one of the few people to be doing organic food in the nineties and in the early two thousands. Um, and so it's always been kind of part of me. Um, but yeah, just, um, probably in the last three years I started looking into, <clears throat> um, you know, what we, what we put in our houses, I work construction and, uh, I was constantly getting sinus headaches, and migraines and, um. And I just started looking at like, what do we put in, like, OSB, plywood, and you know, the glues and formaldehydes, chemicals. And, uh, that kind of just got me started. Like, I just started finding out, like, man, our houses are chemical, like, full of chemicals. And then we had a baby and, uh, we started looking into just the best stuff for him. Because, you know, we don't want to buy a bunch of plastic stuff and have him you know, ingest a bunch of microplastics from China. And so, uh yeah, we started looking into like wood toys and then that kind of just started this whole uh, rabbit hole of, you know, fabrics, clothing. And, uh, I went a little bit crazy. I, I started just throwing out like anything I owned that was polyester. And, uh, my wife's a little more mild than me. She kind of grounds me a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just, we ended up going on the journey together, getting rid of, uh, almost all synthetics. It's kind of difficult to do hundred percent in the house with couches and things, but, um, but yeah, we, uh, we got our baby like all natural fibers. And then, um, and then we built him a wool mattress cause we were just trying to find something that was totally organic and, uh, wool seemed to be, you know, the super fiber the fiber that we've all been using for thousands of years. So, uh, we built him a, a wool mattress and then, um, and then we thought like we should stop sleeping on polyester and foam and all this garbage too. So uh, we got ourselves a wool mattress and then, um, and then built ourselves wool pillows and it kind of started from there.
1: Yeah, it really is like a overwhelming rabbit hole to dive down. Um, I'm still, I think we're all still like diving down it, at least, you know, I am. And uh, it's funny you mentioned construction of houses and things like that, because that's actually the area I've been thinking about the most. And I think the people uh, don't realize is, you know, everything in your house is just like, you know, full of these chemicals, unless maybe it's like really old or, you know, you really got it done the right way. But, I, you know, I, I wake up every morning and go out on my deck because it has a, a great view of the sunrise, but I'm like, Oh, two summers ago, I, I stained this deck with, you know, who knows what kind of stain. I I know it's all just like chemicals. And I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be barefoot out here because, you know, some of that like chips off. So I'm curious just to dive into this a little bit. What are like the most prevalent toxins in the home? Is it like in the flooring, just like all you're mentioning the glues and formaldehydes? um, And, you know, is there is there an actual solution or do I need to just like convince you to like come down and like build my house or something. Um, and is it just a lot more expensive to do it like the right way?
0: Yeah, I think, I think the biggest one is formaldehyde. Um, the EPA has like a limit on how much formaldehyde, you know, like should, should off gas. So like drywall is regulated and, but I don't know that they've ever like added everything together. You know, like if you have every piece of your furniture is off gas and formaldehyde, uh, your drywall, your floor, everything. I don't know that that's safe. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's safe. I think zero is is—it's a good number for off-gassing formaldehyde, but, um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, everything from the insulation to the drywall to um, even if you get wood floors, I mean, most of it's covered in, uh, you know, like a polyurethane and it's just a bunch of chemicals. Like if you want to build natural, you pretty much just have to use wood and like natural oils, linseed oil and Um, You know, build like we've been building forever. But this age of this age of uh, mass industrialization, um, you know, it applies to every area of our lives. It applies to every cheap good that we get, you know, building, um, you know, fibers, basically uh, food, everything.
1: Yeah, totally. It's, yeah. And I know like couches and mattresses too, they have all these like flame retardants in them that are like mandatory, right? Um, yep. I, I think my buddy, well, it's funny enough, my buddy in this small town here is like very versed on environmental toxins. And, and he built his own uh, mattress because he mentioned even uh, from latex, like organic latex. And he mentioned that even Like the avocados, which is what I have. Like they have to have like some amount of either, maybe not flame retardant, but some chemicals in them, or it's literally like not legal to sell. So you basically have to like build your own mattress. Is that is that kind of what you found as well?
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not too familiar with um, avocado specifically, but but um, yeah, I think when you get into that just mass industrialized, you know, creating of products, you end up having to meet a lot of regulations. Um, no regulators have uh, reached out to us and, told uh, us anything on our pillows, but, uh, I'm always keeping my eyes out for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, the flame retardants m- mainly in synthetics because they're just highly flammable. Like they would just basically like explode. And, uh, I did a video that went, uh, pretty popular on Twitter where I just like lit polyester on fire, like polyfill what's, what's in mattresses. And, uh, And it still like melts and burns, um, you know, way, way better than the wool would.
1: Even with the flame retardant, right? Oh, even with the
0: flame retardant. Yeah. With, without the flame retardants, it would, it would virtually explode. You know, it's like a, it's like a petroleum gas, you know? And, uh, but with, with the flame retardants, it just melts. It'll just melt all over you as you, as you die.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's insane. Right. Like, and, and, and even from a safety concern, right. If you're saying it's like, even with all these chemicals, it's still way more flammable and dangerous than, you know, natural fibers. But it's just, to me, it's like this negative feedback loop that we just kind of go down and then we patch it with like more chemicals that are toxic and it's really insane. And yeah, there's no, like you're saying, if you want to do it, you kind of got to do it the old fashioned way with like wood and, and natural oils and to me I'm assuming that's probably like a more effective way in the long term anyway from a durability perspective it just be it just might be more expensive uh, up front um, so is is that usually the case you think you think people the way I see all this stuff is you know it's more expensive obviously like you know your pillows are are not like 20 bucks that's not even possible uh, I think with everything, there's been such an inherent suppression of price because of this industrialized system and using cheap chemicals that are toxic. So everyone gets like sticker shock. But inherently, you know, if you have this low time preference and you buy, you pay more upfront, it'll last like exponentially longer and, you know, be better for your health. So is, is that pretty much a the theme with all these things uh, you'd say? yeah
0: i think i think we just gotten really used to cheap prices and uh and basically things which just very short shelf lives we're just we're living in this throwaway culture where we just go and buy and then we just you know throw it away like a year or two later and it's actually recommended um that you throw your synthetic pillow away every two years just because the amount of dust mites that like get into it and live and breed in there uh which can cause all sorts of allergies but polyester is a super material for uh harboring dust mites and creating a breeding ground for that. So it's pretty gross. Um, while wool is naturally self-cleaning and it also is immune to dust mites because the, the way that the fibers are oriented, dust mites aren't able to penetrate wool fibers. So yeah, our pillows could last your lifetime. You know, we don't know how long they last because we just started in, uh, in December. But um, but the people that taught us how to make wool pillows, they've been using their same ones for 20 years. And uh, that's what I would expect. I would expect it to be a longevity project uh, product.
1: That's incredible. I, I kinda had a feeling you were gonna say that. And it makes sense, you know, it's 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 wool, right? It's it's naturally, you know, sheep, lamb, like need that protection. Like they're not how effective would it be if, if mites and other, you know, pests could just like get in there yeah, um, exactly. yeah. all the time. So, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna out trick uh, or you know, beat out nature in terms of like a design and yeah, that's, I had no idea, but that totally makes sense. And the recommendation to throw out your pillow every two years is, is, is ridiculous. And, and we know the more you wash them or, you know, everything, you're just releasing more microplastics, right? Like into your environment to, um, you know, rubbing off. So that makes total sense to me. And it's just like even more concerning, but even more of a reason why, you know, people should be okay with spending a little bit more upfront on, on high quality, products and that goes with everything and we've talked about that a lot it seems like clothing um, food especially and you know bedding it's it's all aligned that these prices are just not real like you can go to a Walmart and buy a pillow for like five dollars like how is that even how is that even real
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I think we see that with food too I mean you know like it's it's what I found, you know, gardening and everything, is it seems like it's way more expensive to grow your own food, you know, which is funny. Like I can go buy like a bunch of green beans canned at Walmart or something for like a dollar fifty, and uh, but like to put in the work and you know calculating like labor costs and everything, it's like wow, these green beans cost me a lot of money to grow. Um, but that's what it's not about money. Like we've we've been convinced that like that's the most important thing, you know, but we lose our. Um, our self-sustainability, our reliability on ourselves and um, and our community—we just unplug from that. We plug into this new this new world order, so to speak. Um, that's uh, that's just all like very disconnected from the community. You know, now you just go to Walmart, you buy something that's imported from China. You have no idea where it's from or or who made it. Or there's a, there's a lot of trust involved there. So we have these regulating bodies uh, doing that for us. But um, but still, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I don't trust the government that much, uh, as far as like regulating goes.
1: Yeah, no, totally, and 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 you're so right. It's uh, it it's not about the money, but inherently it is. And I don't know how much you've dove down the Bitcoin rabbit hole at all, but to me, it's just like a byproduct of like fiat money, and the reason all this is happening is is because the money system is broken inherently, and you know, these large corporations, the only way all of this stuff works, like you're saying it's coming from China, right? Like the only way that works is at an extremely large scale using cheap ingredients, using cheap labor, like they're getting paid pennies on the dollar per hour. Whereas, you know, your, your value of work per hour in terms of labor is, you know, magnitudes higher. Um, Mm. But yeah, and then you have all these regulations to kind of reel that in and and, and make sure it's really streamlined and, and people can't just like do it their maverick way unless it's like on a really small scale. So inherently that's you know to me such a such a big problem and yeah, we're just kind of now feeling the heat of of you know increasing costs but still the majority of people I think are so just disillusioned to the real cost of things like if they were to go make something themselves or buy something from a local producer like in the United States.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not to, and to throw a white pill in the mix. I think, uh, I think it's cool. What's happened in the last few years with Twitter and uh, different like online communities, people building brands and like being able to support each other. You know, I think that's, I think that's really cool. Like modernity sucks in a lot of ways, but also uh, also I think like the kind of communities that we can create, you know, even in this even in this modern empire i think uh i think it's pretty neat
1: yeah i think it's like an uh a natural balancing mechanism and and i'm very optimistic uh on the future because of the communities that i'm in and the knowledge i have i'm not like a doomer especially yeah. I, i'm pretty young i definitely don't think it's healthy to have like a negative mindset on the future and you know all the people the great minds uh and people building real solutions that we talk to on this podcast is even more so encouraging. And and you're totally right. Like you realize that education and and the internet, uh, is powerful because it can help spread the word of these things existing. And although we do live in an echo chamber in that regard, you know, this niche community on a lot of it on Twitter or Instagram or wherever, of maybe, I don't know, a million people tops. Um, it's powerful. And the more people that kind of get infected and, and, and realize that, you know, these things are toxic and there are solutions out there, um, which for a while there wasn't. So it's great to see like every, you know, few months I do a research on like organic cotton clothing made in the U.S. and things like that. And it seems like there's a new company or I'm you know, the the Instagram, Twitter ads like send me the emails of these companies now because that's what I search for. So I'm like, oh, it's cool that there's more and more popping up and and people realize that this is of value. Um, and of course, you're always going to get some like greenwashing in there, unfortunately. But that's why, you know, I can talk to you and, and ask you, and your website's very transparent and uh, you know it's small scale and, and done the right way. So, um, yeah I, I totally agree there I think people need to have this optimistic lens but I guess getting into that why don't you just walk through people why why did you choose wool um, and what is yeah what is like the supply chain of your pillows how do you how do you make it you know authentic non-toxic sourced in the USA because, that in and of itself is a big challenge. And maybe we could talk a little bit more about that. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education.
0: Yeah, we, um, well, I've always loved wool. Like, I think it's like a really nice material. Um, I used to hike and camp a lot, and I just like the the moisture wicking properties of wool, um, and just it's, it's cozy. It's a nice cozy material. <clears throat> I also really like sheep. And uh, as far as all the fibers go, you know, wool has been domesticated. Sheep have been domesticated for thousands of years by humans, and wool has been used for thousands of years. Um, so we've really like we've got this fiber down. Like we have, uh, you know, like the best breeds in the world for. For creating the nicest wool, um, and out of all the fibers, I guess um, wool is the most wool and other fur animals are um, are the most sustainable. Like they're even with even with conventionally uh, or even with uh, organically grown cotton, you know, there's still a lot of you know like with organic farming, there's still a lot of stuff that has to go in uh, into that. But uh, with wool, it's just raw wool going through like a cleaning process with organic soaps and hot water, and then basically just pulling the wool fibers, which can be done by hand or, uh, or mechanically. Um, it's just like a very simple process and, uh, sheep are able to graze on all sorts of undesirable pastures. So they just make, I just think they're a great animal and, uh, and their fiber is superior, um, to most fibers on the market. So I love wool, the other reasons. And, um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're in North Idaho. Uh, we're pretty close to sheep country and, um, in Montana, just a couple hours away. Um, so we found a wool carding mill out there that gets all this local wool and then they card it and we, uh, we buy it from them cleaned and carded. So it's already in like bat form. And then, uh, we use that. We cut, we cut that into shape. We, uh, basically like craft a pillow. Um, put it simply and then uh and then we sew. we get organic cotton that's grown in texas which i do really like cotton and, and it's practical like it's a has a nice synergistic effect with wool uh as far as breathability and letting the wool because the wool is the inside of the pillow the organic cotton is the outside case and uh they work together really well and so it was really important for us to find uh, u.s grown organic cotton which which find it was it was actually like a great feat like it was It took weeks and actually months, uh, to find a nice source. Um, it's really important for us to support other American businesses. And, uh, and then also there's not a lot of regulation in the textile industry. Um, so a lot of the uh, organic cotton coming from China and India uh, that you'd buy on Amazon or wherever, is not really organic. Um, there's like, there's basically no penalty for lying about, uh, organic fabric. So that was another reason, um, our cotton is USDA certified organic. Um, and then it's also, uh, certified by global organic textile standard, which is G O T S. So American sourced cotton and organically grown and Texas is a cool state. So, um, uh, we ship that up from Texas and then, uh, and we just cut and sew and, uh, make pillows in our, in our basement we turned it to a pillow factory.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I love wool as well. I think wool is still underrated. Um, What I was going to ask is, or no, what I was going to say first is, hundred percent. Like I think ruminants um, are just like the most regenerative, you know, animal, and I talk a lot about that, of course. Um, But when you, when you, even when you have like a regenerative or organic crop, which is, it still might be like a big monocrop, especially in terms of cotton. It's just like so prevalent in in farming that even if it is organic um, yeah I, I totally agree I think you're gonna you know still maybe be neutral or negative in terms of the environment or the soil health it depends kind of on the biodiversity and and that's where you get into this whole mess is like you don't really know but sheep or, or other ruminants for example you know they just have that ability like you're saying to you know regenerate the land um, graze on less desirable pasture but for me it's like wool is like most wool is just sheared off the sheep. You know, it's just gets like wasted. I bought or I'm buying a a whole lamb here in Wyoming, um, in two weeks. Well, I reserved it, um, picking up in two weeks and I was like, yeah, you guys do anything with the wool? And they're like, no, you know, it's just, just too much effort. We kind of just shear them, make sure it comes off and and that's it. There, There's not anyone in the area to really process it. And they're super small, so they don't have the time. So I would say it's almost like a byproduct that we can easily just take advantage of. It does, you know, obviously take some effort and, and energy input. But to me, that's land that's already being used to graze for meat or dairy or what have you. So it's kind of just additive from a land use perspective, which is fantastic when you see like cotton you know, acres on acres on acres needed to to grow that. So big fan of wool. Um I was gonna ask, you know, the organic cotton standards for sure, like uh I've talked about that with, with Ryan Griggs uh from Regenesaw and so on here and yeah, China and, and the whole cotton industry. I didn't even know how ridiculous it is. Like it's it's probably one of the most dirty it's probably the most dirty crop in the world in terms of sprays, pesticides, herbicides, but then also like in India, which is the capital. Like there's like, the conditions are, are so bad. And what you're saying, I think is true. And some of these organic cotton brands that come from India, I'm just like very skeptical, um, to be honest. So the fact that you're saying that there's no regulations makes me even more skeptical. So power to you for, you know, sourcing in the US, whether USDA is, you know, although it has its own downsides, it's, it's kind of verifying. And of course, American quality and energy to keep it within just a few states is, is much less, but I'm curious what, what exactly does organic mean in terms of cotton? Do you, do you know the specifics? Cause for me, organic, it's always like a mixed bag. Is it mean no spray? Is it mean, you know, certain types of sprays that are more natural? Is it regenerating the soil? Um, Yeah. If, if you have any insight there, I'm, I'm curious because I'm not as familiar with cotton as like, other products.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I, um, I don't know 100% if there's any uh, organic sprays that they would use or not. Um, I'd have to look into that. But I know that it's, it's regulated. The, the cotton is growing in Lubbock, Texas. And there's this Lubbock, Texas Cotton Growers Association that really committed to uh, no pesticide use. Um, But as far as, like, any organic uh, sprays or anything like that, yeah, I'm not sure 100%. I I definitely need to find that out. But, um, uh, yeah, that uh, makes me weary sometimes, too, of uh, just USDA, you know, food, you know, certified food. Sometimes you wonder what, you know, what's what's organic and not.
1: Yeah, it's mostly on the food side of things. That's why I'm skeptical. But for cotton, I actually think I've researched – back in the day when I was like looking into the feasibility of, of organic cotton clothing. Um, I think I actually did stumble upon that Lubbock, um, cotton, uh, company. So that's, that's cool. And I do remember they're pretty transparent and, and doing a lot of good things. So, so yeah. that's good. That's yeah, good. They're, to a know. Great,
0: they're a great organization and, uh, yeah, they're very committed to like healthy soil and, um, and then they also, we also use a, uh, it's long staple organic cotton. So, it's like pre-hybridization of cotton so it's a very old world growth um which is really cool and and requires even even if it was grown um conventionally it would require less pesticide use
1: yeah because most cotton now is is gmo cotton right and i think that's yes, right. something i found right like 99% of cotton from china is like gmo and maybe like 70% of the us um so this is like OG cotton, basically. Yeah. Yeah. This is the cotton that we've been using for,
0: for thousands of years.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. And, and what's really cool. And again, what you're saying is that, you know, organic cotton, you could read that and it could mean like the widest spectrum of things, depending where it's grown, you know, are they, they could be organic cotton. You still have this, you know, huge monocrop, and spraying organic things in, in a different country and not really helping the soil at all. Or you could have someone that you know, and, and you could research this you know, Lubbock Cotton Company and see that they have this dedication to soil health. So I, I, I think that's really important for people to understand is that these are not all created equal. And the more we have this local supply chain and transparency, like you can go verify it uh, yourself, which is you know fantastic um yeah. so compared to other so what are most pillows uh made of currently it's it's polyester and and other synthetic materials or like what is the most prevalent i guess uh material in pillar pillows in terms of the inside and then the outside cover
0: yeah <clears throat> yeah so most pillows like most pillows that Americans use are just poly polyfill basically so it's like a polyester um, that's been fluffed into a fill. Um, So it's petroleum derived. um, Basically it's derived from crude oil undergoes a myriad of synthesis, you know, chemical processes to, to turn crude oil into a, into a fiber that can be spun. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it's just jammed in a pillow. There's also like memory foam and all these like purple pillow um, and all this other stuff. Like they're also this, essentially the same ingredients, um, just processed in different ways. So, um, so yeah, it's just a bunch of chemicals. Like if you could, if you could know all the chemicals that you, you were sleeping on, you'd be troubled. Um, cases, sometimes they're cotton. Uh,
1: sometimes they're just polyester also. So what's wild is, you know, you're literally spending like a third of your life. Oh, maybe not everyone, but you should be spending a third of your life like sleeping roughly Um, and you're just breathing in like you're directly on all these pills. Like, yeah, you know, we're talking about um, construction toxins like earlier and, you know, that's bad. But you're you're not really like lying all the time on like my stained deck or maybe a toxic couch occasionally. But like your pillow, you're literally lying on this for seven to nine hours, like every single night for your whole life. So that's why for me, I think the bed, the pillows, the bedding are like so huge because you're just spending so much time there. And, and the bedroom really needs to be like this sleep sanctuary, like no technology, like good light um, or blackout curtains or what have you to really like that's restoring. And if you're just exposed to these toxins while you're sleeping, you're not getting this restorative you know, effect of sleep. From all the toxins you're exposed to during the day. (laughs) So to me, it's like you're basically shooting yourself in the foot. And yeah, I would say that's something people really, if you're going to choose something, it might be one of the best options to tackle first. It's like, where are you spending the most amount of your time? The bedroom is definitely one of them.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of why why we went with pillows is just because like you said, you go down the rabbit hole, you find out everything that's poisonous in your life and you're, you're extremely overwhelmed. Um, but, uh, for us, it was like, okay, so, you know, what's like the most important, like what, what do we do first? Cause you have to put these things in steps. Otherwise you're just gonna worry yourself. So, um, uh, but yeah, you, I mean, you're laying on a pillow eight hours, six hours a night, however long, and, uh, your body's trying to detoxify from the day, you know? So you're exposed to all these chemicals in the day and your body's trying to clean itself <clears throat> regulate through the lymphatic system and uh, and then you're just laying your head on like more toxins so it's like it's not an ideal for us it's like the most important thing like it's like pillow is the most important thing even like the clothes you wear you changing clothes out all the time you know like you're only wearing them for however long however, you know, or if you're working in them or whatever But but like the pillow is the same pillow every single night like it's like it's the crown of It's the crown of your bed, you know, it's it's the throne of your bed. So it's like, that's why we decided to pillow and, uh, are wanting to get into other wool products down the road. But, um, we just thought this is like number one.
1: Yeah. And maybe we can talk more about potential other products, but I agree. And you're literally your mouth and your nose are right there. So like you're breathing that in even compared to the actual bedding, the bed itself. So, um, I've researched like, you know, better pillows quite a bit, actually the past few Weeks here just because I gotta order some and have, and I see a lot of down pillows. So how do, how does like wool and down compare? Is down like a decent option? Um, is it often you know toxic or coated in certain things, or you know what's uh, what? Where does that fall in the spectrum? Because I see that as like a pretty common thing in the more non toxic pillow space.
0: Yeah. Down is, is certainly better than polyester. Um, but it also has its, its downsides. Um, that one just came right to me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's usually plucked from, uh, from dead geese in uh, in really suboptimal conditions. So like when you think of, uh, because you're in this space, when you think of like, you know, um, feedlot cows and, it's, it's kind of like that same idea, like industrialized processing for goose feathers. is very similar. Like it's very dirty, very gross. Um, usually plucked from dead geese, if not plucked from dead geese plucked from live geese, which is, is pretty inhumane. Um, and so, and then they take the feathers and then they have to undergo like a series of processes, usually at least bleach. Um, I don't know if they put formaldehyde in them or not, but, um, yeah. When you have all that grime and all that bacteria, you have to, you have to put some kind of chemicals on it to, to reduce that. And then, yeah, and then it's put in a pillow again. It's better than polyester, but it's not ideal. And also it's not immune to dust mites. So dust mites can get into, mm-hmm. um, to feathers and the way, like the way the feathers are oriented is just like really random. Like it's like a totally random pattern. So it just creates a lot of breeding ground for bacteria and, uh, other things that you don't want to be sleeping on. But again, better than polyester for sure.
1: Yeah, once you mentioned that earlier, I was thinking for sure like down. Down, it seems like it's very just like loosely thrown in there. Like it's not really like tightly packed. So I was imagining that it probably wouldn't be as, you know, it would be more susceptible to dust mites or bacteria. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And um, yeah, from what I found, I looked hard and I think I, I found maybe a couple that said it was like untreated or something like that. Um, but again, you're going to have to trust whatever brand and, you know, things like that. And it, it's usually not, you know, it's never like a hundred percent made in the U S or anything. So it's really hard to verify quality. So I would just kind of say that. And yeah, I'm excited to compare to, to a Woolshire pillow, but yeah. um, it's, uh, you know, it's, To me, it's something I see, you know, you got down jackets, you got down sleeping bags and and things like that. Is this all a place where, you know, really wool could be prevalent? And, you know, you said you're into hiking, things like that. Would it be possible to like make like just better quality, you know, outdoors things that use down or just use all these plastic fillers like a sleeping bag, just use wool and maybe like... I guess the hard part is that outs out outer cover, right? Like, what what can you use to replace that? Because um, that's all like nylon and right, just polyester, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, that's that's the um, that's the next area we really want to go. So it's funny you should you should mention it. Um, is kind of camping world? Um, Hell yeah! I find it really ironic that like you go in REI or wherever you walk in. This is not a diss in REI because maybe we'll try our products will be an REI one day. Um, but, uh, yeah, you go in REI and it's just like everything in there is synthetic. Right. And, and it's synthetic for a reason because it's like repels water and it's really like, you can just tight, you know, compact it like super tight. Uh, so it's really lightweight. <clears throat> there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of nice properties to synthetics. Um, but it's funny that you're going into like, you know, reconnect with nature and then you just like surround yourself in plastic. Like your tent is plastic. Your sleeping bag is plastic. And you've like created this little like eco, you know, this little environment of like this plastic bubble, like literally. um, And you're trying to like reconnect to nature. So um, I think there's a lot of room for growth uh, in like organic products. Um, Wool is obviously amazing. Like, for blankets for sleeping bag fill um yeah and you could make combos of like cotton canvas like more durable uh materials and then uh and then wool insides so we're making a camping pillow right now that's um it'll have its own like cotton compression sack it will not compress as small as some of those you see on uh online but um it will compress somewhat and it'll just be a wool and cotton um mix of, of a pillow just like a regular pillows but a miniature version and uh yeah we think there's a lot of we think there's a lot of like nice things to get into in the camping world and uh wool is a super fiber for that like you think of sheep they endure all these elements right um they don't get sick though like they don't they they you know they get into dust and rain and uh bacteria but the sheep's body is able to keep itself the, the wool itself cleaning it's able to keep the sheep healthy so, um, yeah, wool is an amazing property for that. When, when like you're doing with dealing with synthetic, it's just so cheap to, to like be part of that, like throwaway culture again, that throwaway mindset. So, um, yeah, we'd like to create more camping products that are long lasting and, and, uh, environmentally friendly, friendly and uh, good for your body.
1: Yeah. I mean, this stuff gets me fired up because it's like literally the biggest oxymoron, it's, these outdoors people are are the biggest hypocrites, because yeah, yeah, they go out in nature, I mean a lot of them are like vegan, and saving the planet and then it's just like, plastic everything plastic sleeping bag, plastic shirts plastic shoes, plastic everything and I'm just like this is insane, like this is so stupid, and you know, when you look back at what people used to use, they didn't they didn't have anything plastic like pre-18 no hundreds or pre 1900s. And they're just using animal furs. I have a bison hide. I'm like, you know, this, this would be like made into a jacket or, you know, something and people just sleep on this. Uh, obviously, with like the backpacking culture, yeah, it's all come down to like weight and, you know, compression of of these things. But in reality, do you really need, you know, all of that. Most people, even just for car camping, like this would be a tremendous benefit, I think. And yeah, it's, it's something I've, I've thought a lot about. And obviously, a lot of these companies are like, they're super woke, too. But in reality, they're just selling like all plastic. So it just drives me insane. And yeah, it's uh, the whole outdoor space, I think, could use a really big overhaul. Um, yeah. Even from like the food side of things like, you know, MREs and freeze dried meals. They're all garbage. Um, they're all filled with chemicals bars, like any energy bars are just like filled with a bunch of crap. So that's cool. Maybe we'll have to chat more about that because I, I would love in general to, to be a part of that. It's you know a super big passion of mine. And I think there's so much growth here. So that's, that's incredible to hear that you're you know, already thinking about that because it's a really, you know, it's a, a good market to target and people you know, we're willing to pay a, a, a fair amount of money for outdoors equipment, especially. I mean, even you can't go into REI without spending like $200, I'm pretty sure. But, right. you know, and even that's with like pretty low quality ingredients just because these companies are marking it up so much because of lightweight, durability, breathability or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that, that some of those brands are, uh, they're some of like the most like environmentally conscious brands and then they're like the ones like shilling the most plastic possible that's <laughs> it's so ironic it's like I don't know uh yeah we, re- we really think that's a good space to get into and uh I think I think there's a big potential for an awakening like going back to just uh our roots you know yeah it's going to be heavier but it's like uh, what's it like an extra half pound or like a little more space like it's it's just a it's just a marketing gimmick that they're like, oh, it's so small and, and compact, you know, when you're not even getting like any comfort out of it, basically. Like it's like a blow up yeah. pillow or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And my buddy I was, you know, backpacking with the other week and it's like he still had all his stuff from like doing the J, the John Muir Trail, which is like 30 days. And it's all like super ultra light. He's like, this stuff is just like he's like, I would be willing to carry two more pounds to just sleep like a little bit more comfortable. So I mean, yeah. there's a trade-off, right? And like, I don't know, just yeah, get a little, get a little stronger, and and you won't have to breathe in all these toxic chemicals. Um, but that's, uh, I guess, the trade-off. And and it, it wool is like really prevalent in the socks space, but I've never, except on Etsy, found like 100 percent wool socks. It's always like blended. And, you know, I think Merino wool has become like one of the biggest marketing labels for, for, for clothing. So I'm curious, what what, what are your thoughts on, on that and, and blending it? Is that like, is it necessary? And is Merino wool like totally overrated or is it pretty good?
0: Yeah, I, I am a, I'm really, I'm a purist, so I'm really opposed to blending. I think it's lame. Uh, I actually have this this guy I buy socks from. i have a sock guy, and uh, he makes 100% organic cotton socks that uh, they don't have any elastane in them at all. So, uh, funny story: I bought me and my wife a bunch of pairs, and then they're like so big, <laughs> they, like they don't like wrap around the ankle. So we just look kind of silly like walking around our house, but it's it's fine. Like you know, it's who cares? Who can see? Um, But yeah, I, I, Merino wool is super nice. Like there's, there's some wool that's nicer than others for sure. And, uh, Merino is like, it's kind of the king of, of wool fabric. It's really been like, they've really got it down in New Zealand where the breed comes from. And, um, yeah, that's like, that's like the bread and butter. So, um, so it has like a really nice actual, uh, stretch, like stretch effect that would uh, definitely reduce like reduce, if not entirely eliminate the need for uh, nylon or, or any other synthetics. Um, I actually bought some wearing them right now, actually some uh, 100% merino wool shorts. And they're kind of like a workout short. Um, they're pretty nice. Uh, there's a lot of companies that are, that are doing this now, uh, starting up. Most of it's based in China, uh, so it's not, not ideal, but it's at least like a step in the right direction. Like, I would rather have this than nothing. So, um, so like, merino wool activewear I think is going to become a huge thing. Like, 100% merino wool. Um, you know, it's able to – you can just basically place it in the sun after you work out, and you're not going to get, like, any smell. Like, the next day, it's your, your armpits aren't going to smell or anything like that. You, you know, not wearing deodorant or whatever. Um, you know, as opposed to synthetic, harbors that bacteria. And, um, yeah, it's just an amazing – amazing uh, properties of
1: wool. Are you interested in 100% grass fed, grass finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, Use code Tristan, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10, for 10% off your first order. That's really cool. Um, Yeah, I've seen Merino become really popular. And I think I actually just bought like 100% Merino wool, like long sleeve thermal. And yeah, I'm probably from China. But um, I guess that leads kind of in the next question is the difference. So you guys use like organic uh, washes for your wool um, what are the issues with like inorganic or just, you know, standard wool processing, like say if it's done in China or somewhere else? Because to my understanding, obviously, like, you know, they're not, they're not spraying the, the sheep directly. So it's inherently maybe a little bit better or you can get away with it not being organic. But then in the processing, you're saying like these soaps and stuff. So I'm assuming an average wool processor would just be using like standard toxic soaps, probably
0: yeah it's it's unfortunate that yeah most people aren't like very conscious most people don't think of like what they're doing especially in the industrialized world like they just do like what is the most cheap efficient thing like they're not thinking oh is this going to be organic or healthy for our, our our customers um so yeah the industry standard for treating wool is not ideal um there's either bleaches or of course like chemical soaps um and then, um, also I'm trying to remember it's boric acid. I think boric acid is, uh, it's a pesticide, um, but it's used to treat wool to, for like moth retardation. And so, um, so that's not ideal. Like you don't want, you know, pesticide in, in your clothes. Uh, but it's definitely better than even with like treatments and stuff. It's, it's still better to go with wool than it is, you know most other you know fibers
1: yeah that's kind of what i figured so that's why i I think i've stated before you know it's probably better off and and maybe um you can get away with inorganic but there's still there's always something like in the process it's such a it's so frustrating to me um i would say and uh yeah i guess you know getting back to, or just the high level of where the bottlenecks and, you know, how do we grow this space? Um, to me, you know, like I said, I had this giant Buffalo hide and I was at a bison conference in January and they had this cool ass jacket and I was like, damn, I want something like that. And funny enough, like the guy who does that is in my town in Wyoming, but you know, There's probably like five guys that do that stuff. You know, there's probably like 5% of people that, not even five, probably like all of the tanning that exists for like animal hides, probably one to 3% are doing it the natural like brain tanning method compared to like the very chemical um, driven. So for me, I see the biggest bottleneck is like finding people that can process these things, doing it the right way. Like it's hard enough to find like a good organic cotton or like wool supplier, but even in the next step is the processing and finding something, someone doing it the right way. Cause it seems like this just lost knowledge and lost priority to do it like that. Is that like accurate? Do you think that's true? How do we like, recover these skills and put more emphasis on like growing this area because i think that to me seems like the biggest bottleneck
0: yeah yeah i I just think the more the more aware people become you know the more basically support is going to create like the more people that are interested in in wool products they're just going to keep contributing to the industry and it's like just like with bitcoin like more like awareness that happens you know the more it's adopted and the more people like opt into the Bitcoin system, you know, it's, it's kind of an organic thing that will happen. And I I think it definitely will happen because, you know, people don't, just like with organic food, like what's happened over the last 20 years and like, even like, um, and I don't mean organic food, like going to the store and just buying USDA organic food, but like, but also just like supporting like local farmers and like um, buying, buying meat directly from farmers and things like that you know, that's like really exploded and, uh, and thus more farms have started up, like more ranches have started up because of that. So I think as long as the community just keeps supporting that and, uh, you know, people keep raising more awareness, I think, which I think it's already there. I think it's already like the trajectory is starting. Um, we're just, I think we're in the beginning stages, but, uh, but I think it's happening.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I, yeah, it's it, it has to happen. Like it has to be a consumer awareness dictating these market trends and, and demanding, you know, that these products exist and we've seen it with clothing, um, at least somewhat and I think there's so much progress to be made. But yeah, it uh it would be cool. I mean, I just think it'd be badass you just walk around like hundred percent, you know, wool or bison or you know, animal yeah. hide clothing. Like that's kind of, I think it's awesome. That stuff will last you like your whole life or you could pass it down um, to, you know, your family. And, you know, that's what it's all about. Um, it doesn't fit this, you know, consumerism model we have. So again, coming back to the money, it's like you can't make money as a company selling like products that last 20, 30 years unless they're initially priced appropriately. So... Yeah. But as you're saying, you know, there's a whole market share to go after in this space. So, like there is a lot of market to capture, a lot of people to have their minds changed and we all just need to get into this mindset that that is the right way to consume, I think. I mean, it's like yeah, there's so much trash and waste and people buy, you know, 10 t-shirts a month for just like no reason and we want to talk all about you know the issues with climate change or what have you, but in reality it's it's just like the consumption um, model and yeah, that's why I'm so big on on Bitcoin because it's it's like until that that system is is more prevalent, that mindset we're just going to keep coming down this path. but I'm pretty bullish that you know folks like you are are starting these sort of enterprises up i mean it's it's really exciting, yeah do you sell locally at all? Have you like, how has the reception been locally? Um, neighbors. I mean, have you tried selling at a farmer's market? I, got, I don't really know how pillow bedding stuff works. I've never seen anything like this at a farmer's market. I've seen like soaps and stuff, but that's about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We've been meaning to hit up our local farmer's market. There's a lot of outside, uh, Californian money coming in. Uh, so of course, <laughs> yeah. So, so we, we think that'd be good, but, um, we, we did one in person event, uh, just back in, um, was it July? Yeah. It was June, June 30th, July 1st. It was called modern home setting conference. It was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And, uh, there was like 6,500 people there. Um, but there was vendors. We were one of the vendors, uh, with our pillows and it was, we had like crazy positive reception. Like we sold like 25 pillows in one day. And, uh, And like a similar amount the next day. So that was like, that's a lot of pillows for us. Like that's, we, that's what we were doing like per month, um, back in like January, February. So, um, so yeah, to sell like a month's worth of pillows in, in a day, uh, was pretty crazy. Um, but it was really encouraging. It was cool to see like people really cared about, uh, they just like thought about it and they were like, oh, that's a great idea. So, um, so yeah, we're and like they like supporting like, um, you know the the local Montana wool, and they liked that we were supporting you know, like Texas cotton. Most of our a lot of our customers I don't say most, but a lot of our customers are from Texas. So I think people in Texas are really proud of being from Texas, and so they want to support uh, Texas basically. Um, but yeah, that. It, it was cool i we're, we're gonna do another in-person um event there's this big festival in idaho in south idaho which is really far from it's like a nine-hour drive because idaho is such a tall yeah, state. Idaho's, yeah yeah so we're like at the top and this is at the bottom basically you know almost to the bottom uh it's called the trailing of the sheep which is this this huge event multi-day event where where they move sheep there's massive herd of sheep, you know, from one area to, to a pasture. And, uh, it goes right through the town of, uh, Ketchum, Idaho and Sun Valley area. Um, so we're going to do an in-person event there. I have a small vendor booth, uh, in October. So that'll be exciting. Uh, we're excited just to go cause it'll be cool to see.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, how long does it take you to make one pillow?
0: It's hard to determine exactly, uh, just because like the way we get everything is, is like in, it's nothing's like pre-made for us. The wool is as good as it gets though. Like it's like in batted form already. So we just get rolls and we just roll it out and then cut it and then shape it. Um, but like our cotton that we get is, uh, is a 93 inch roll of fabric and we just have to pull it out and like cut strips and then basically cut that into thirds, pillow sizes. And then sew them, but um, I think we've got it down. Like, if my wife and I are working together, I think we got it down to like thirty minutes of pillow, um, which is pretty good. But down the road, we'd like to get a little bit of help because we'd like to um, like in-house help because we'd like to uh, start like offering like wool pillow cases and uh, things like that. Especially for the camp pillow, I think it'd be really ideal to have like a wool pillow cover. Maybe offer have two options like an organic cotton canvas pillow cover and then like a wool pillow cover
1: yeah totally um that's pretty good i mean that's actually that's better than i thought 30 minutes not bad I feel like, well you got it down to a science it'd probably take me like six hours to do one but
0: <laughs> yeah yeah in the beginning it was taking us like a good hour and a half and uh yeah i think we've got it down to like 30 minutes which which still is like very careful like we don't
1: we yeah. don't ever try oh to brush, i mean yeah
0: we're like really picky on like our pillows being like perfect. Like we're just like obsessed about like creating like the best pillow on the market. That's like an organic product.
1: So what is the best like firmness or, you know, a lot of pillows are like soft, medium, firm. Like what would you say your pillows are? Is that like, have you dove down that rabbit hole for like side back sleepers and things like that?
0: Yeah, we offer uh, four sizes, thin, medium, full, extra full. The extra full is like really full. It's like almost two and a half pounds of wool uh, stuffed into a 20 by 30 space. So it's like a lot of wool and it doesn't really compress very much. So it's like if somebody likes sleeping on their back and they like to have their head like super elevated, that's a good one. Um, the full is, is less than that, but it's still like a full pillow. You'll get like multi, multi-inch elevation on your head. And then the medium is uh, is pretty much standard for like side sleepers. Um, and then thin is like if you like a flat pillow, which there are some people that like flat, like totally flat pillows. Not me,
1: but uh, but there are people out there. Yeah, medium seems like the good the good bet for me. Side side sleeping. Apparently for camping, it's better to sleep like on your back or your hips and I don't know, I guess it depends what you're where you're sleeping on uh, in general. Um.
0: yeah and, and then we, the uh, match oh sorry You're and good. we uh, we guarantee our pillows too so like if somebody orders a pillow and because uh, it does compress a little bit because it's an organic product so I mean I think even polyester pillows compress a little bit but um, our pillows compress a little bit probably in the first month of use um, so we guarantee the pillows so if somebody doesn't like that it's compressed too much we know they spent a lot of money on it so then we just send them a return shipping label and we like cut it up cut it open and add wool. Well, it's not a big deal for us. Um, it doesn't cost us that much in shipping, you know, like probably like 30 bucks maybe. So, um, so it's worth it to us for like to make somebody like hundred percent satisfied. So, or we're, we're happy to offer that.
1: Oh, that's good to know. Cause I think, yeah, that was something I was unsure about and I'm still always unsure about. It's like the firmness and, and mattresses as, as well. I know that's, you know, a big thing. Is, uh, is that something you think you'll get into in the future? Is it's mattresses or, you know, something for camping? Like, how do we solve like match sleeping pads? That's, that's a big yeah. one for me. I've, uh, I've switched officially to, uh, when I'm car camping, instead of setting up a tent, I just, I got a, a latex mattress topper because it. Um, three inches, I think, organic latex. And I just put it in my, in my forerunner, which to me is a better option. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, the the car itself probably has some, some toxins in it, but it's more comfortable than sleeping on like a foam pad or, um, you know, an inflatable pad. And yeah, I'm curious if you thought about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, we thought about mattresses. The only thing with mattresses is like, it takes a huge space to do because they're so big. And then like storing them and stuff. Right now we're just working out of our basement, um, which is a very clean basement. It's like a, we built our house; it's a new house, <laughs> nice basement. It's not like a creepy old basement. It's like water <laughs> dripping everywhere or something. Um, but yeah, we we're gonna build a shop uh, eventually, and then um, and then from there we'll see. Uh, we thought about like baby mattresses, like crib mattresses, and stuff like that. But I don't know if we'll ever do full size. Uh, maybe. But uh, not a not a hundred percent sure yet. But definitely, somebody should do something for the for camp for camping pads. Uh, I know it's super hard to compete with foam as far as like like the durability of foam. Like it's so like you can just like pack it right up. Uh, yeah wool is a little bit more difficult to work with, uh, just being a natural product. But, but but I'm sure if people come up you know brainstorm, I think I'm
1: sure you can come up with something that. I'm thinking this late, the latex. Yeah, yeah, the latex is weird because it's like very foldable and like just kind of mm. like bends over. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could like roll that up into like a little, little wheel and do that. But yeah. Yeah, for, for, for me, it's tough. I, I hate the inflatable ones too. Um, I always just went with the foam, but even, yeah, the foam. And it's if I am backpacking, I kind of just stick it outside my pack. So it's like if you could roll something up, um, yeah, I think you could just stick it on your, your pack. I mean, what did people used to sleep on? Probably just like animal hides, right? I'd, I'd imagine. I don't even know. Yeah, in, in camping, probably. Yeah,
0: that
1: makes sense. They they're probably just used to sleeping on dirt. You know, we're all like lush and cush yeah. these days. It's like, oh uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, gotta be two, three, four inches, or else I can't go into the backcountry. Yeah. But you know, it is nice, I will say that going from sleeping on very minimal stuff, especially if you are you know we can find a solution, I think, uh, with our modern intelligence and uh high quality ingredients, I would hope. Yeah cool well chase uh this has been a pleasure where so where can everyone find your amazing pillows yeah yeah we have our website uh
0: the and then our social media is just at the or i think instagram is the there's no at um so yeah check us out we're uh we're always creating we're always we're always doing stuff we're just a small family business um but yeah we uh we be- really believe in the cottage economy and really believe like that it's cool to support other small businesses so even if you have a small business uh and you want us to check it out too uh send it sent it to us you know through social media and uh we we like supporting that that whole twitter economy and um yeah
1: that's awesome yeah no 100% i'm on the same page like i'm happy to you know um buy a a quality product cuz you know, is like hundred percent, like really good quality, and uh, is supporting, you know, locally as well. We're 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 in the same region here, and in the U.S., it's like so rare to find this. So, what we'll, we'll put all those links in the in the show notes. Um, but yeah, Chase, appreciate you coming on. This is a, you know fun conversation for me because it's like the world of environmental toxins is like, yeah, it's it's overwhelming. But like you said, you can dial it in to kind of what's most important, where you're spending the most time, where you can have the most impact. And I for sure agree with you. I think pillows is one of the best places to start. And that's why I love your company. So I'm excited to give it a try and and see what I think. But um, yeah, appreciate all that you do and appreciate everyone for uh, tuning in to another episode of Decentralized Radio. We'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks.